This is Being Modern, Being Human, a podcast about contemporary society. After a break of almost one and a half months, I'm back and refreshed. The break was unplanned, but it allowed me to gather new ideas and bring even more engaging guests to you. Thank you for your understanding, and let's dive into this new episode. And my guest today is Anastasia Chernikova. She's a journalist and founder and editor-in-chief of Vivid Minds, a newsletter-driven media platform that features entrepreneurs and leaders who overcome challenges and move forward. She's based in New York City and covers technology, inspiring leaders, and mental health. Very well, welcome to you, Anastasia. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> Your career started in Russia where you wrote for the Russian editions of Forbes, GQ, Esquire, and other media outlets. From some of your interviews, I know that you arrived in the United States, in New York City, without a specific plan, and you just wanted a career change and hoped to find it in America. What did you discover and how did you go about it? I came here in 2016 and it happened two weeks after the elections when Trump became president and it was actually crazy because none of my friends believed that Trump would become president at that time. I used to come to New York before I moved here and I really loved the city. To me, it was going already pretty harsh in 2016 after the premiere, but it still wasn't that bad. My main reason was I just loved New York and I wanted to come here. And I really wanted to stay in the city to see how it goes. I didn't have much money, so I was thinking, okay, I can come here on my tourist visa and stay here for half a year. And then if I want, I would go back. So I didn't really think about it as immigration. But I was really fond of all the culture. I watched American movies. And so, yeah, I just wanted to feel the vibes of the city and be here for some time. What was the vibe and what people did you meet? What did you discover, actually? I actually wrote an article in Snop, Russian magazine, when I came here. And I spent a year already in New York. And it was called Why I Love New York for the Stories. So I really love the like people. I think it's people coming here from all over the world. And they all want to achieve something. They have their dreams. And that's what I feel like. The first year I was here, everyone you would meet, they had amazing story. They had their background, then immigration. They all had to survive somehow and adapt to this new reality. So I would say that that's actually my favorite thing about New York. How would you find the people you wrote about and... What are the most interesting stories you remember from that period? In Russia, it was easier because I was working for larger magazines. And at first, I actually didn't realize how important it is before I started my media, Vivid Minds, here in New York. And you have always to, you reach out to people, they don't know you, and you have to explain what the media is about. It's pretty small in terms of traffic, how many readership is there. You really have to convince people to give you interviews. In Russia, it was a different story. I was writing about entrepreneurs, tech companies, and it was harder to make the story great and not like as those founders 
wanted to see it because obviously they look at this opportunity when a journalist reach out, they want to do kind of a PR for their company. So I didn't have much trouble of reaching out and interviewing. Most people wanted to get interviewed, especially in my like later years before I moved to New York, I already had some kind of reputation as a journalist writing about tech companies and doing these long feature stories with entrepreneurs. But I did have this journalist perspective where I wanted to do it truthful. The interview where I can ask these harsh questions, sometimes obtrusive, but I wanted to do it not like they wanted, but, you know, as myself. And then I had that great editor, Nikolai Kononov, who I really respect. And sometimes he would look at my copy and he would say, it looks like we need to dig more and we need to ask more people about this. And we would find someone who could share his insights about working with this entrepreneur and sometimes not very good for them. And those people were pretty mad at me oftentimes. So one of my favorite stories was about Taxi Maxim, which is the largest taxi in Russia. At least it was the largest back then in 2015. And it was uh, bigger than Uber and another Russian one, Yandex Taxi. And that time, so I traveled to Kurgan, which is a town of 400,000 people and like five hour flight from Moscow, I think. And I was interviewing the founder and he had about 4,000 employees in this small town. So it's like the biggest venture there, the biggest company. And he would tell me his stories, how he started. And it's also very cool for a journalist when you do it, you can find this large scale, like this big founder, but nobody has written about it before. So you're the first one. And, and they actually said that they hadn't agreed to talk with anyone else before. They were not ready or they didn't feel it was the right fit. So I was the first one to meet with this guy and interview him. And then a lot of people and other media quoted him. So that's one story. And when I was in New York already, I was doing a story on Black Lives Matter, interviewing Black founders. As I mentioned, I started my media, Vivid Minds. It was really hard to reach out to people who, I don't know, I have no, no connections. So I was browsing through LinkedIn and looking for these founders. And I sent like 80 messages, maybe close to 100 messages on LinkedIn, just cold messaging, asking founders to get interviewed that I wanted to ask them questions. And I thought it was important about the challenges and how they started their businesses. So it took me a while to just get this, just to make them want to be interviewed. And then I did five interviews as I wanted for the story. And it's really hard sometimes because it's hard even if you're a journalist working for a large publication and you do the whole process, like people want to be interviewed, but then you work on the story and you want to craft it nicely. But in this case, I did it just because I wanted the story, but I didn't get paid for that. I was basically just spending my time 
and with my media i am the only one who sponsors it so it's just yeah you spend a lot of time and then you do it and then you at least want people to appreciate it how has been your journalist career developing in the united states you established your own media outlet how is it working from the business standpoint do you do anything else it's actually it's a long process that took me a couple of years to realize how i can build my career here and generally if you want to be a journalist in new york so i can tell you a few examples i know two of my friends they were really good journalists well known spent 10 years in journalism in russia they came here they started from scratch they went to columbia university to get their masters degree in journalism so that's one way and i was also considering it to go to a well known university there are two in new york i would say columbia and new york university where you can get this journalism degree and then it's easier to get to magazines you can get there but you would be very low paid it's like pr marketers they would have much higher salaries than journalists here in new york the first thing you do you start thinking how you can get at least like 2k per month to pay your rent that's pretty destructive for your creative self so the idea of going to the university at least the first two years i eliminated it because i felt i don't have that money to spend on education and also i need to work a lot and actually i realized when i was meeting more and more journalists here that many of them are from pretty wealthy families so even americans not everyone can afford to be a journalist and to get that salary i really loved what i did in russia i was doing feature long stories about entrepreneurs i would do this deep interviews and sometimes i could spend a month or even two working on one story interviewing like 10 different people for one story and eventually i decided that i'd rather start something on my own so i could do the articles and interviews that i really enjoy and that would be on one hand it would help me to connect with people here and then i would also practice my writing and i would do it here so i started all in english that was important because i also saw a lot of immigrants coming here who were still writing in russian which is fine especially if you have this audience back in russia but i decided that i wanted to do it globally so i started my media i saved some money on my jobs of being marketer when i came here and i was helping with marketing different tech companies i was thinking okay i don't care how it grows at first i was thinking i would just do articles that i love and i would find some audience and people who like it if it's 10 people it's fine if it's like 100 1000 it's it was important to me that i do what i like that's really interesting so your main job to pay your bills is in marketing and pr is that correct yeah that's correct you started writing in english a while ago i guess it was six years ago how do you feel about it now are you confident writing in english do you feel you can compete with native english speakers in that that's an interesting question i obviously think about it almost every day and every day i write something here sometimes it's ghostwriting that's also what i do by the way for money i can ghostwrite articles for other people there are some articles published in techcrunch and big magazines but not under my name i do write every day but i still feel that i need a proofreader i have this 
proofreader, American guy who's been working with for the last five years. And I feel that it's getting much better. I would send him my articles and I see that there are not that many changes, but it's still important for me just because I don't think it's ever possible if you didn't come here when you were like 10. So I came here when I was 26 already. And it's really hard to just feel the same way as I think about Russian, even though it's changing and it's really evolving how I feel the language sometimes. And now I feel more often that I want to write in English than in Russian, which is also weird. And sometimes I start writing in Russian and I'm like, oh my God, I used to be really good. And now I feel that I want to switch to English just because I just got myself trained when I came here six years ago and I said to myself, okay, it's really hard to write in English, but you have to do it. So answer your question. Definitely. I have more confidence now, but in terms of how you feel the language, it's not native speaker proficiency, but I believe that I added way better and I'm much more confident that I'm better at writing and editing than most of native speakers. So that's different. It's just a different skill. That was also an interesting realization to me. It's not that much about the language as about the structure and how you feel the piece, how you can put it all together, because eventually you can give it to the proofreader. If you can't just put together and you can't make the structure work, then it's another problem. And it, it doesn't depend that much on your language. Absolutely. I agree. Now I would like to talk about Vivid Minds more in detail. Uh, this media is about career pivots and uh, create economy. As I understand, these are your areas of interest. Through interviewing all these people for Vivid Minds, have you changed your perspectives on what is possible in life? I have three sections on my website, Creator Economy, Career Pivots, and Mental Health. And actually, our main focus is mental health now. That's what I'm interested in answering your question. That's what really helped me to think more about self-care myself and focus more on that because I'm reading more and I'm interviewing people on that. So that's for sure. As for career pivots, I used to do a lot of stories on that in Russia too. It was not that new to me. I was writing an article the other day in American magazine about um, the main traits, qualities of entrepreneurs that help them become successful. And they're all the same. It's very universal how you become a successful person. Of course, there are differences in people, but we take 100 entrepreneurs and we ask them what was the main thing to help you achieve something. They would say basically the same. As you said, the recipe for success in the business world is more or less universal. And this interest in mental health is quite universal these days as well. As I see it, it's kind of a new religion since most of us live in secular societies. We still need some support in life and some structure. And the Psychological tools kind of help us build this structure. What's your take on that? Because people spend a lot of times now 
working from home and also digital with creator economy. It's getting more and more into mental health. All the influencers are leaning on, even though it looks like it's a cool job and you just post something and you do all these paid promotions, but they complain a lot of being burnt out. And we actually did also an article on that on Vivid Minds. People talking about how tough it is to always be online, to always scroll and get all this information. So it's just a, the world where we live in now, information overload, especially in New York, it's a lot of ambitions. People always think about how to be better, how to achieve more, which also tend to get you into burnout. And suicide rates rise higher year by year. So eventually, if you think about it, nothing else makes sense. Whatever job you do, whatever you have, but if there is depression and if you're really tired of everything, nothing makes sense to you. Eventually people realized, and I think that we adjust in the beginning of this, from the business perspective, I think there will be more and more mental health companies like unicorns, a lot of investments into that. You mentioned social media and uh, the burnout related to that. I've been asking myself a question about the future of the social media. I've read some predictions about social media morphing into something else, Web3 and other things. Do you think social media will be there in, say, 10 years or 20 years? What are the possible waves of technology development? I think it's definitely going to be there at least in 10 years. If you ask me in 50 years, I would say maybe we'll all believe in virtual reality. You have a mask or something with AI, but in 10 years, for sure, it will be almost not maybe like Twitter or Facebook, other platforms, but with social media, what's on is buzzing about now, it's AI and chat GPT technology. I actually see it as a good thing for journalism and for content, which I think would also affect social media for sure. Because this technology can create very good pieces in terms of writing, but similar ones like five tips on something, typical content that you can just do and a lot of magazines publish every day. You can do it with AI now. And then with social media, I think you could train AI and you could ask them to comment on, to influencers and you could basically just, how I see it, you can upload some algorithm for your social media account. For example, if you're an influencer and you can ask AI to generate all these posts. So eventually, again, it won't make sense to do all these very similar things. I hope, and I believe that would be the best uh, that I could imagine that long form content and the content which requires a lot of human work, like investigative journalism and interviews which require empathy. AI wouldn't be able to replace it in the next 10 to 20 years. We'll see. It's really exciting to watch what is happening now and what's going to happen in the future. And now I would like to go back to your immigrant experience. After six years in New York City, do you feel you are a New Yorker? I believe there are different time frames that I used to call you a New Yorker. Someone told me that it's 10 years, like after 10 years, you can say that you're a New Yorker. 
I would say that New York is the city where you feel you're in the right place. At least for me, it was like that right away. When I just arrived, I was feeling that I'm in the right place. That's because it's such a melting pot of all the cultures and all the diverse community here. So the first year I was such a New Yorker, I just felt it. And then in three years, I got kind of tired of the city and I didn't feel that I'm New Yorker anymore. I would say that this term and the notion of New Yorker to me is more like how you feel about the city and how you act as a New Yorker, because there are different types. You would do something and someone would say, you're such a New Yorker and you could do it like in your first year and your third year. But then at some point when you get tired of a city and you don't like it anymore and you act very differently and everyone is thinking that, oh, it's not the right fit. Not everyone, but yourself. You're just thinking that it's not the right fit. You don't like it that much. And then you don't feel as a New Yorker. That actually brings us back to mental health, because it's all about how you perceive things and the world around you. And my next question is about your reading experience. I'm a writer myself, and I know that, and actually everyone says that to be a good writer, you need to be a good reader. What do you like to read and what are you reading now? That's a good question. I actually read a lot of things now. That's because last year, when everyone did these uh, kind of resolutions, I decided that this year I'm going to read more. And it's really hard to do it in New York. It's not judgmental. It's just that you don't have time because you're always working. And when people have free time, they watch TV shows. I remember I was sitting with my friends during the New Year Eve. And everyone was saying what they want to do next year. And people were like, I want to get this $1 million. I want to do this. And I was like, I want to read more. And everyone was Are you kidding me. And I asked my friends, there were like five people, what, how many books they read. And almost all of them said one or two a year. So that's just to give you an idea. Um, it's hard to read now. But so I got a lot of books and... I'm actually working on short stories now, and that's another thing I decided to do. It's not related to business at all. It's just what I want to do to write more and read more. So I got a lot of fiction literature and short stories. I'm just finished reading Raymond Carver. Then I'm reading books on writing craft, how to create short stories and create characters and so on. I'm on a nonfiction book called Drunk Naked. And writing, it focuses specifically on essays and opinion pieces. And the next book is going to be Sally Rooney, Normal People. Uh, that's really a good choice. As for reading in general, it's such a fast-paced life everywhere in the world today. For me, it's also hard to find time to read, although I really love it. Anyway, we are coming to the end of the show. and. I want to ask you the last question, the one I ask all my guests, and it's related to the title of my podcast, Being Modern, Being Human. What does being modern, being human mean to you? I feel about being human as the opposite of machine and AI, just because it's always on the mind. So human is empathetic, someone who is alive, the human who lives in this crazy society, 
these days with all the trends, trying to figure out what's going on. Exactly. I agree with you. Thank you very much for this conversation. I really loved it. And I wish you good luck and success in all your projects. Thank you. You too. Thanks. If you enjoy this podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform of your choice. Feel free to share the episodes with your friends and family. Your ratings and feedback are really valuable to me and they help others discover the podcast. Thank you very much and bye for now.